y'all. It's Carmen. Thank you for joining me today for the Let's Be Real podcast. Is it almost fall yet? Man, I need the temps to come down some from what I call devil's front porch to heavenly sunny and 70. Anybody else with me? Anyway, while I'm waiting on that, let's dive back into our talk about these four spiritual conditions. So for the last four weeks, we have been looking at the spiritual conditions that a person may find themselves. There are four that we have discussed, those being dead, alive, lost, and found. The first week, we looked at Ephesians 2 to discuss the first two conditions of being dead in sins and transgressions, and number two, being made alive in Christ. The next two are lost and found. The main scripture for our discussion of these two conditions has been Luke 15. In this chapter, we find the three parables of the lost things, which Jesus tells to his audience in response to the religious leader's shadiness about him hanging out with, quote, sinners. He tells them the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. We have already looked at the first two parables, Last week, we began the parable of the prodigal son by looking at the son himself and how he went from a son in right standing to a man desperate to eat pig's food in a foreign land. We left off last week with the son coming to his senses and heading home toward his father. Today, we will look at the father's response and how it is characteristic of how Father God receives the son or daughter who comes back to his house or his presence? Will he respond with condemnation and finger pointing? Or will he open wide his arms to the son and restore him to his former position as his son? Let's see. There's much to cover, so let's get to it. I'm going to go back and start in verse 11 of Luke 15 and read through verse 24 just so we can get some background and be reminded of what the son, what he did. Jesus continued by saying, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. 
The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. We will be focusing on verses 20 through 23 in today's episode. The more I have studied this description of the father, I have gotten more and more excited to meet with you and to tell you all about it. As a believer, it has been a great reminder of how Father God looked on me at my time of salvation and restoration. As a person on the road to salvation, perhaps you were on the way back home to God, closing in the distance with each step you take to learn more about Him and His goodness. This description is paramount to your understanding of how God will receive you when you get to where you are going, and that is His loving arms of forgiveness. This story is good news of great joy for all people. So let's break it down verse by verse and see what truth we can glean from it. Verse 20, I'm going to read it again. So he, that's the son, got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Let me point out some of the aspects that stood out to me. The first thing is the word but. What a wonderful word. This is a word of contrast. It tells us that while the son was doing one thing, the father was doing the opposite. As the son was making his way back home, the father had been waiting patiently, watching for his beloved son to return. How did the father see the son, quote, while he was still a long way off? Because the father had been anticipating eagerly the day when his son would come back home. And today was that day. We are not told how long the son was away, but I imagine the father watching from a prominent point where he could look toward the horizon of the way his son left, each day praying that that would be the day his son came home. Not only did the father see his son, but he was moved to action motivated by his love for his son. The word used here is compassion. This is the same word used to describe how Jesus, in his earthly ministry, felt about the ones he ministered to. Each time throughout the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where we see this word used, and then we see Jesus going into action, ministering to that particular person. The word literally means to be moved in the inward parts. So Jesus, as well as this father, are moved down to the deepest, most inward part of who they are, and that motivates them to act. Compassion will always warrant a response, at least, and at best, will move a person from inactivity to activity on the part of another person. Holy God-honoring compassion. Can you imagine the excitement the Father experienced in this moment? We know He does because of what Jesus tells us the Father did next. 
Verse 20 goes on to tell us that after the father saw the son and was moved with compassion, we are told three things the father's compassion compelled him to do. Run, embrace, and kiss. What do these three things tell us about the father's character? Number one, he ran. This word in the Greek is a word used to describe how one might run in a race, attempting to win a prize. How might a runner run in a race? Wide open, advancing speedily with full effort and directed purpose. Another definition says that this word conveys an intense desire to get to the goal as quickly as possible. Y'all, that definition will preach on its own. If this father is a reflection of Father God, then what can we say about this reaction for us? God is running to us, closing the distance. That's grace. That's Jesus. Man, that is good stuff. No clearer picture of the gospel. What else does the father do? Number two, he embraces his son. Not the fool who takes his inheritance, the father's gifts and squandered them. Not the man who stood in front of him, no doubt tattered and torn and stanky for sure, from his piggish living. No, he stood in front of his son. The one whom he raised, the one he taught skills as a boy, the one he missed each day of the son's absence, the one he loved. Again, this is a picture of the gospel. There's a recognition of sin. There is surrender back to the Father. Then there is a clear demonstration of acceptance. Did you catch that the Father did not say, Go clean yourself, then I will embrace you. No. The Father wanted the Son to know how much He loved Him, that He did not mind getting the Son's dirt on Him. Another point that will preach by itself. What's the last thing the father did in this verse? Number three, he kissed his son. Barnes notes on the Bible has this to say about the father's kiss. Quote, this was a sign at once of affection and reconciliation. This must at once have dissipated every doubt of the son about the willingness of his father to forgive and receive him. A kiss is a sign of affection. This is evidently designed to denote the readiness of God to pity and pardon returning sinners. In this verse of inimitable beauty is contained the point of the parable, which was uttered by the Savior to vindicate his own conduct in receiving sinners kindly. Who could, quote, blame this father for thus receiving his repenting son? Not even a Pharisee could blame him. And our Savior thus showed them so that they could not resist it, that God received returning sinners, and that it was right for him to also receive them and treat them with attention. After this, what did the son do? What could he say? Verse 21 says that the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He did and said the only thing he could say after experiencing his father's compassion, grace, acceptance, and love. He confessed from his heart his great sin. 
What is the response of one who has experienced the same from Father God? The only thing that we can do is confess sins. We see it in the life of Isaiah in Isaiah 6. The Old Testament prophet was given a vision of God in his holy temple. What did Isaiah say when he realized he was in the presence of God? Isaiah 6, 5 says, Woe to me, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When this son or an Old Testament prophet or you and I experience God's holy presence, grace, and love, the only response is a clear view of our sinfulness compared to his goodness. And we can only confess those sins from a sincere and contrite heart. But yet again, the father continues to restore his son through his actions in the next verse. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. I'm going to read verse 23 as well. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Let's look at the four things the father gave to his son. Number one, he gave him the best robe. The father provided his son with replacement clothing for the dirty, soiled ones he came home in. And not just any ordinary robe, the best robe. This is a robe suited for the son's new character. The best to replace the old tattered one. The best robe fit to wear to sit at his father's table. Number two, a ring. This was not just any ring. This was the father's signet ring, a ring to which from that day forward the son would wear representing his father. It was an emblem of wealth, position, and honor, a sign of dignity and delegated authority. The son's transgressions did not disqualify him in this moment of restoration to be his father's ambassador, which he would be as he wore this ring. Number three, sandals. What did these shoes provide for the son? Defense, stability, shielding, and protection for the new life he would lead from that day forward. He was now prepared to travel his life's road, regardless of the terrain, with the gospel of peace. He now had peace with his father. Before we get to the fourth thing the father provided, let me make this brief point. Verse 22 tells us that the father commanded his servants to get these three items and put them on his son. Who are God's servants? He is asking to help in the ministry of reconciliation. You and I, if we are already believers. 2 Corinthians 5.18 tells us that those who God has reconciled to himself through Christ have now been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are the servants given the task to spread this gospel message. Also, the servants did not just give the son the three items. They put them on him. Why is this significant? Because God does not just want his servants to give a lost person the clothing they need for restoration. He wants his servants to do the work of clothing a newfound person with a new robe, new authority, a new readiness for their walk with Christ. 
Let me give you a churchy word here. This is evangelical work. Okay, so the fourth thing the father gave to the son was the feast. This is a picture of the final part of the restoration process. The father ordered the fattened calf to be killed for the feast. This calf was the one being prepared for sacrifice for sins. The father is communicating here. What better occasion to make this sacrifice than today? The day my son, who has sinned greatly, has come home, and I have restored him. The celebration was done, not because the son came home, which would have been my first thought. No, the celebration was a celebration of what the father had done. Restoration is never about the one restored, but about the one doing the restoring. The work of restoration cost the father a lot. And because of that fact, there is cause for celebration. And the Father called for celebration. Wow, we have much to be reminded of today and to celebrate. God is the Father of restoration and reconciliation. He is the Father running to embrace and accept back to His house the one who is straight away and put distance in between them. He is the Father providing new clothes, the best robe of righteousness and praise not a garment of shame and condemnation. He is the Father who gives His ring of authority and position. He is the Father who provides shoes for the journey called life, shoes of peace, stability, and protection. And He is the Father who provides the sacrifice for sons and daughters to come in to His table and feast in His presence. Phew! Praise God for His faithful response for all us prodigals. Let's do that now. Let's pray. God, I thank You for who You are. I thank You for Your character, for Your faithfulness, for how You respond to us when we have strayed away and we come back home. God, I thank You that You close the distance between You and us by sending Your Son, Jesus to be our sacrifice for our sins. And I thank you that you embrace us. You give us a kiss of affection when we come back to you. God, I thank you that you clothe us with righteousness and not our own righteousness, but yours. Thank you for the ring of authority as we go out and represent you. Thank you for the shoes that will help us in walking this life's road with the gospel of peace. Peace that we are now um, reconciled back to you. And I thank you for your sacrifice of Jesus. That you did that so that we could come in and sit at your table and feast with you in your presence. God, I thank you for this parable, this scripture. I thank you that Jesus saw fit to tell it and that Luke saw fit to record it by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. And that you knew that I would be sitting here one day reading it and studying it. I thank you for the reminder of how good you are, how faithful, and how loving 
of a father you are. All I can do is praise you and shout hallelujah for what you have done. So thank you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Y'all, after today, I feel like jumping up and down and shouting hallelujah. Those three verses were some good stuff. Not just content that will make us feel good for a few days. No, those are that is truth. That is reality that we can build our faith on. All right, next time we'll enter the older son from stage left. He is coming in hot and he is not pleased with how the father welcomes his younger son. And yet again, the failings of this son is not the focus. It is the faithful response of the father. I cannot wait to jump into this section of this parable and I hope that you will join me next time. Have a great week and God bless. Thank you for joining me today for the Let's Be Real podcast. I hope that you have been encouraged by our time together. Friend, I want you to know that Jesus is so important to me. And I want to share with you that you can have a relationship with Jesus just like I have a relationship with Jesus. There are three easy steps to finding that relationship. Number one, admit that you are a sinner. Number two, believe on Jesus as the only one who can save you because he lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. And then three days later, he arose from the dead, victorious over sin and death. Believe that he did that for you. And then the third thing to do is to confess. Confess that Jesus Christ is your Savior. It's as easy as that. I want to encourage you, if you have not made that decision to follow Christ and go into a relationship with Him, will you do that today? Will you ask Jesus to come in and be a part of your life, to be the Lord and Savior of your life, to be in charge? If you have made that decision today, I would love to hear from you. Please email me at berealcarmen at gmail.com so that I can be encouraging you, praying for you, and sending you some resources to help in your new walk with Christ. Check out more Encouraging Gospel-Centered Podcasts on the Kingdom Rock Podcast Network at kingdomrock.org. This is Carmen. Go be real. The world needs to see it.